A new home screen, new AR and fitness apps, new OCR for Apple Pencil, and that's just the start of what we could see in iOS 14 and iPadOS 14. We'll talk about what Apple has in the works in this episode of the Macworld Podcast. Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Roman Loyola here with Life Johnson. Hey, Roman. Michael Simon. Hello. And Jason Cross. Hello. It's a full house for this episode of the Macworld Podcast because we're going to talk about... Yeah, we, we actually have something to talk about. <laughs> right. It's been a little while. <laughs> it's been a little while. WWDC is creeping up on us, and that means that stuff gets leaked. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah is it, though? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> this one seemed to leak a little earlier than usual, and I wonder if Apple is like, all right, you know, we're just going to give them a little something to whet their appetite since we're probably canceling the whole entire show. Exactly. Yeah, because it's going to be a bigger production in terms of like virtually, I guess. Yeah, one wonders what happened. Uh, what's what's going on is nine to five. Matt got a, a hold of a build or a partial build or some pieces, a code dump essentially of early iOS fourteen, and have been pouring through the code looking for references. A lot, I mean, a lot of it's compiled code, so you don't know what how things look, and you can't put it on a device and all that. But they're looking at all the references and stuff in there and inferring features out of all that now i will caution here that like with the with the ar headset and stuff some of that stuff in previous leaks had changed and in, in build so you know some of this stuff may not be final it's a chance it could change yeah so nine to five mac came out with all these stories about what could be coming up in the new versions of ios and ipad os so we thought we'd just talk about it and what was revealed and what gets us excited what makes us go yeah whatever and uh, what we could be seeing. Uh, we'll start, might as well start with the home screen. The home screen is going to get some improvements. Uh, 9 to 5 Mac reports that there is a possibility that we could see a watch OS-like list view of apps. Finally. Yeah, it's, it's a, I mean, it's, that's, that's, in theory, all that sounds good. I just, I want, how are they going to implement something like that? On the watch, it's easy. Because you're not on the home screen all, all the time, so you go to it, and, and if you if you opt for that mode, you just see a list of your apps, which is which is nice and friendly. On the iPhone, you're always looking at your apps if you're on the home screen. So how like is it a drop down? Is it a pull down? Is it a swipe to the left? Is it a swipe from the bottom? There's got to be some way, some new navigation element here. It's not clear whether it's it's a different mode for your home screen or if it's. Uh a replacement for like if you swipe down somewhere in the middle of your screen not from the edge now you get the search and and Siri and spotlight search page like is it a replacement for that is it a replacement for the widgets page like how you get to it is is not clear and and is it going to fundamentally fundamentally change the way it treats the home screen is the home screen just going to be you know five or 10 apps that we use often and the rest of them are going to be accessible via this mode, or are they still going to all be on the home screen, just an easier way to find them? I mean, they say there's going to be a lot of, in addition to series suggestions, the way that they are on the spotlight screen now, there, there's going to be a lot of sort of sort and filter options. If that's the case, I can see myself wanting this to be my default home screen more than having piles of folders and stuff like I do now. If you're going to say, you know, uh, I've got serious suggestions based on your time of day and where, your location and stuff, and then the rest are sorted by, let's say, last used, I would use that. That's probably going to 
meet my needs better than the home screen does today. Yeah, it's kind of a, like an extension or, or a slight rethinking of the way Android does it. Yeah, so how, what, this, what this looks like, it matters a lot, and that's the part we don't know. Yeah, if it's just, if all your apps are still there and then you swipe down and you get a nice alphabetical list or however you sort it, I mean, that's fine and all, but it still doesn't quite change much and most people still wouldn't use it. If you have to use that mode to get to the apps that you only use once every once in a while, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a rethinking of how Apple does it and a step in the right direction. If you ask me, Mm -hmm. I kind of would like it to be instead of the, uh, if you swipe to the right, you get your widgets page, which no one ever does on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's exactly not a lot of people. I'm sure there's people who really love widgets uh, on iPhone, but then uh, to me, they kind of belong on the lock Mm -hmm. screen more and that swipe to the over, I'd rather it be that. I'd rather it be that that list view. Mm-hmm. In addition to possible home screen changes, uh, you'll be able to change the default apps, which is a feature I think a lot of people have been wanting for a very long time, since the first version, essentially. Yeah, this kind of stems from all those antitrust, not all those, from the antitrust cases that Apple is currently battling in both here and in, the, uh, in, in, in England. Yeah, it looks as though Apple would just make a small change and let us pick whatever whatever browser we want to use, whatever mail app we want to use as a default. So when you open a link, it doesn't have to go to Safari. It can go to Chrome. The majority of people would probably stick with Safari anyway, but it would be nice for the you know ten or twenty percent of people who are you know who want that give it to them. Especially if you have synced bookmarks or something on Chrome that you use on a desktop yeah, yeah, PC. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, I think there's this idea that like Apple is afraid to let people do this. There's a lot of people that prefer the secondary apps, you know, like Google apps, Google Gmail, and stuff like that. But prefer still prefer the overall experience of iOS. I don't. Yeah, think completely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think this poses a threat to Apple at all. Maybe if they're thinking of it, maybe a slight security threat by you know keeping things within their own apps. But I, I don't even think there's much of the, much of that there either. There's two places where I think Apple would be really nervous about this, and maybe rightly so, and that's maps and music, okay. yeah. music or podcasts, which is like the new music fight. But, you know, making it so that people can just, when they tell Siri to play a song or something like that, it goes to, just mm-hmm. goes to Spotify, you know, instead of you having to, it works now if you do that, but you have to specify it specifically and all that, you know, so making that work, but that's also where so much of their antitrust uh, court pressure is coming from. (laughs) So they may be motivated to let that happen more. And then Google Maps is the one I think a lot of people would just make Google Maps the default. One of the things we don't know whether they're doing, but it would be nice to see is if they allow apps to request to be the default, the same way that apps request microphone access and you know, with a system UI thing, if I install a new mail app and I launch it, 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 the same way any map could ask for my location access or something like that, I would love to see a pop-up that says, make this your default mail app and you say yes or no, instead of people having to dig six layers deep in the settings to, yeah, to change. And we also things. saw recently, I think it was the iOS 13 code. Somebody found that Apple was, oh no, 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 it was, it was in the, it was in the app store or the iTunes policy for developers that um, they're going to allow ads in push notifications, which Apple has been has done and not allowed developers to do, and they've gotten some blowback for. So they're they're realizing that their their practices, let's say, 
of treating their own apps differently than they treat third-party apps is starting to come over, uh, starting to come under some intense scrutiny, and they're going to have to change some of the ways they do business. I also think maybe the the idea of this protectionism of our, around Apple and their Apple experience and stuff, the the internal pressure to do that financially might be getting less as they grow this services business, and they don't worry so much about like all their revenue coming from that. Sticking to the apps, 9to5Mac found a new AR app that can be used to tell you stuff about the world around you. Right now, it only seems to be able to work with in the Apple Store and at Starbucks. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes sense if it's a super, super early build. They're just testing it out, you know, with a couple of different locations. But we see that on, you know, Google has that with Google Lens and uh, in Google Maps, they have AR directions, you know. So that's that's a logical step for um for the iphone i think this is tying together with they they had a um the a job listing for uh a project to uh, i, I want to call it like apple's own yelp to to have like sort of user ratings and information about businesses and locations and stuff would not surprise me if apple was going to try to have their own project to eventually replace yelp as as that Yelp is the source of all that data in Apple Maps, and it's not a great experience because you get very little data, and th- and then when you want to click on it, you have to like go to Yelp, and Yelp pops up like, no, you have to be in the app. We're not going to let you see this on the web, and it, it's like a big dance you got to do, and it's data Apple doesn't own, and uh, the way their maps used to be a melding of like a whole bunch of different data from different providers that they didn't own, and then they had this huge project to build their own maps with their own map data that they own. Like they may be doing that now for location data. And it makes sense that this AR app is so limited because maybe that's what they expect it to tie into. Maybe that that's what they want is it to be data from that. The main thing I want is an easier way to rearrange the, you know, the apps on there. Cause I, I have, I was looking at it, seven pages of apps and you know, it, it's, it's just, you know, and I even have some of them in folders, but it's just. Uh, in the- I was going to ask because I I know people who use pages like folders, which I get. You just then you can just swipe over. Uh, the main home screen is mainly single apps, so I can just press on one. And you know, that was one of the things that I would like to have is, uh, you know, because I was thinking that I well, ooh, being able to arrange, you know, like the regular icons by most users would be nice. But no, because I have some placed where they're in convenient spots for my thumb so that wouldn't work out but i was thinking yeah, so if let's say apple let you like you know for lack of a better word hide them on another screen would you do would you take like the five or ten that you use often and then jettison the rest to somewhere else or would you do you just want to real or just want to organize what you see i just want to organize what i see I, I, I really liked it when you used to do it on desktop through the itunes but so uh, that was a lot more you know, as opposed to holding it down and moving yeah, it. Yeah, I, I actually use that too. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's such an archaic thing, but I, I remember those days. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> There's also a new fitness app that will let you watch uh, fitness-related videos. This feels like Peloton on your Kinda, iPhone. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, sometimes something along those lines. I'm not sure. I mean, that seems like a hefty investment if Apple's going to be creating their yeah. own video so i'm assuming they would partner with somebody i guess right i mean it feels like something that's already been provided by a, th- a third party and yeah, probably done yeah, really there's well tons of, there's lots of apps like that yeah. 
Oh, yeah. I used to look at a lot of these apps and they have a lot of them have sort of either animated diagrams or they have little videos of people showing you how to do a particular workout, a particular uh, exercise, like proper form and stuff. It doesn't sound like Apple's doing the Peloton thing where it's like a service where you have a live video stream of yeah, a that would be trainer running a class. It sounds, it sounds more like to get credit for doing pushups, do that, you know. But it also speaks to that maybe they're expanding the number of exercises Apple Watch will be able to recognize and give you credit for. And then uh, and that app you're talking about is going to be like, well, I don't know how to do a scissor squat. And then you, you just look at the video and see. And it shows you how. Uh, and it's apparently also going to come to Apple TV, which makes a lot of sense. It'd be really cool if you could queue up seven or eight different exercises and watch the examples on your Apple TV while you sit in your living room. And yeah, the, the Apple TV is, is kind of key if that's going to work because people aren't going to be using their little tiny phones to watch exercise videos. They're more likely to put it or beam it or stream it on a television. How odd would it be if Apple decided to make that a service? It's not a crazy thought for 5 or $10 a month if they had a real robust library of videos and they constantly updated. I mean, it's a, it's a hefty investment. Yeah, that's that's more of a sur- to, to justify yeah. that kind of service. They need that kind of. Yeah, I mean, thing that if you talk about Peloton, like. Peloton has like ten or fifteen new classes every day, and 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 that's just for biking. They also have yoga and they have running and they have you know. So that's a service you're really getting if you use it. You're getting your money's worth. I mean, Apple can't say, okay, here's one video in two weeks, and expect people to pay ten bucks a month for that. So if they. It, 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 they would really have to invest time and, and energy into making that viable. One new feature that I'm kind of really looking forward to is the ability to retract the messages within messages. Yeah, not that's, that I, that's, that's, that's cool. Not that I do that a lot, but it just seems like one of those kind of things that you kind of go, how come this, you couldn't do this before? Yeah, yeah the, uh, uh, it was, it was, it, it's, a, it's a Mac rumors uh, rumor. <laughs> and, um, yeah, they, it, uh, a Gmail has something like that where you have a, a, I don't know what it is, three to five second window where you can you can unsend a message. Facebook Messenger too. Yes. So um, it, it would be something like that. And yeah, I mean, there are times when, you know, I'm I'm an adult. I don't send embarrassing texts anymore. But there are times when I send something like, oh, crap, that's the wrong person. And if I re- instantly realized it and, and, and canceled it or, or something is spelt wrong or whatever it is. It's a, yeah, it's a cool feature. It would probably be limited to iMessage because once the SMS carriers get involved, then, you know, all bets are off. But um, yeah, it, it would be a cool, a cool feature and, you know, a nice addition to, uh, to iMessage. Yeah, lots of other interesting stuff apparently coming to iMessage, like um, being able to at people, you know, uh, and stuff like that. They're, they're, I think they're trying to turn it more into, I don't want to say a social network, but a more, more robust than a replacement for SMS texting. And there's been evidence since last, since Mac OS Catalina that they're doing a Catalyst version of messages for the Mac. It didn't end up shipping in Catalina at all, but I really want to see that because the, on, on your Mac messages doesn't have half the features it does on iOS. And if they're doing all this other additional stuff, like I really just want one messages experience there was also, I forget if, I think this was 9to5Mac, uh, revealed a grid switcher 
which is kind it, of a new That was a Twitter screen. thing. Um, or um, that's right. It was Twitter. That was yeah. Twitter. Not all of these are 9 to 5 Mac, as, as Mike pointed out. One of them was from Mac Rumors. This one was from a, a Twitter user. I forget the Twitter. Uh, ben, ben Geskin. Who, okay, that's he, right. Uh, he's a pretty, pretty solid leaker. And this was a it was a video he showed, so it's definitely there. Whether it was a really good concept or, or he, he claims it was it was an early iOS fourteen build, but um it it basically brought the iPad uh, 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 multitasking grid switcher to to the iPhone, which you know that makes sense too. Uh, what I'm w- wondering is you know now that the, there's a rumor that the iPhone is going to be the iPhone eleven or twelve Pro Max is. Uh, 6.7 inches, which is sizable. Are they going to finally allow split-screen multitasking on the iPhone? Is 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 this window that that they they showed a precursor to allowing that? Listen, I don't use multitasking all that much on my Android phones, but it's nice to have on the occasion that I do need it. And there are sometimes when I actually do try to write articles on my phone with a Bluetooth keyboard and, you know, just being able to have the app where I'm writing in one little section and like the the web page or something on the top it would be really nice. And yeah. I could definitely see that working. Yeah, right. As you say, it's useful in certain instances. But, um, yeah, it would it would and it would also kind of move the iPhone over towards being like a miniature tablet of sorts. Yeah, <laughs> my my guess, my guess is, is right. Apple won't do that. My my guess is this. Yeah, I mean, it's just in part because they have the iPad. Like nobody, part of the reason nobody else does is because they can't make a successful tablet. But but Apple, I mean, it's the iPad, and and then there's everybody else. So, but and and as Apple continues to distinguish the iPad more by giving it more notebook like features. I think the ability to sort of have two apps open at once and, and do stuff, I think they... It's one of those things where I'd love to have the options. I myself wrote an editorial where I was saying, like, basically, why do you need an iPad mini? You got the, the iPhone. That extra bit of screen space on the iPad mini, even though it is a very similar screen size, uh, the width, makes a big difference it, when you're trying to multitask and stuff. But it's nice to have that option if I needed an emergency for work and stuff for multitasking and everything. So there is that. On iPad OS, there are new iPad cursors that are kind of Mac-like, and this kind of goes in hand hand with the mouse support. And hopefully, they're going to you know change a. I, I did read when I wrote my rumors that they were going to introduce some new gestures too that'll make them more like pressing something on a, you know, like with a regular Magic Mouse. So that that's good because you kind of have to adapt to using a mouse on an iPad as it is right now because it's. They're trying to use the the touch gestures, and it's kind of awkward sometimes. Like you actually have to double click to select something. Um, that kind of you know, if you want a little snippet of text, so that takes some getting used to. So hopefully, it feels more natural, but uh, definitely shows that they're adapting. Yeah, it's it's a, it's very much an accessibility feature now, and it looks like they're making it a real feature where it does things like the mouse cursor changes depending on where it is. Like if it's in text, it becomes the bar. If it's on a link, it becomes the little hand. You know all those things that you're you expect to see on a Mac and doesn't happen right now on an iPad. That's all the that's all where they're it's apparently going. So, and I'm psyched about that. The iPad, if they really want us 
to treat the iPad as it could be a laptop replacement. It really absolutely uh, needs no like. A, a I know. Laptop. I was. I was waiting for your comment. We don't. We don't have time for this tangent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Apparently, there are some strong feelings about this particular feature. It, it's funny how, you know, because it it changes the way you interact with the iPad and. Some people are, I guess, quote unquote, purist and don't want that to happen, which is kind of odd because I don't see where it changes that much. I mean, you could still use the iPad the way you use it. Exactly. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. As long as it doesn't take away from that, but more, but even more than that, now that they're expecting developers to use the same frameworks to make iPad apps as they do Mac apps, uh, it's getting to be that they're an app developer needs to to think about touch and they need to think about well i have a cursor i have a cursor with that can right click i have cursor you know cursor selection and dragging and all those things if you have to do all of that in the same framework anyway a developer does then then they might as well enable it on on that other device and it may be one of those reasons why Catalyst is like very, right now it's very specifically like bring your iPad app to the Mac, not iPhone app. And it may always be that way because it might be as they spread iPad OS away from iOS more. Uh, another kind of UI enhancement for iPad OS is if you're using the Apple Pencil, there will be new text translation. So if you write something, the iPad can know that it's yeah, a that, word that, that's that's way overdue yeah that that, that almost kind of like oh it did already do yeah that. i don't know how that didn't launch with the when the pencil launched multiple apps have that yeah notes it yeah it does that in notes and um something else but uh, this is apparently just a system-wide framework yeah the thing is, is in notes, I believe, is that it can read your handwriting, whereas it doesn't actually convert it. Other apps will actually convert it. There, there's one, uh, MyScript Nebo, that as you write, it converts it into, you know, rich text or plain text, I guess it would be. The problem is I have with that, as in, here's a secret. Well, it's not a secret to anybody. That <laughs> I still write by hand a lot. Um, you still do. I still catch you writing on a big old pad of stuff. As I get older, it gets harder for me to think on a keyboard. I don't know why, but uh, but I can write by hand pretty quickly. But the thing is, is that so I usually write by the pen because I can just do the very quick stuff because I can write by hand almost as fast as I can type. But the thing is, if you're using an Apple Pencil on a screen, you have to do that perfect. You know, you it has to be able to read it. So you you can't. I think my my handwriting is legible, but the thing is, what I consider legible is not going to show up very well. It, the the iPad is going to have a hard time interpreting in that. And so I, while I'm happy to see that, it's still a slow process, R relatively slow compared to what you would see if you were seeing me writing with a pen on a legal pad. And uh, it's it's a step in the right direction, though. I understand these are small steps. I, I also believe there need to be some improvements to the Apple Pencil itself. Well, it's still great in order for it to feel like a real pen, but it mainly has to do with the tip. Yeah, yeah and, uh, you know, just... Take, take what you just said about like the difference between I'm writing in bold block writing or I'm actually just writing out my thoughts quickly and can it understand that and multiply that times all the languages that Apple has to support mm -hmm. internationally. That's a, that's a big, uh, 
that's a heavy burden to lift. <laughs> so one, I, I wonder if this is going to be kind of limited to certain languages at first. And yeah, that, it's going to take guess. time. Oh yeah, definitely on that one. And you know, and e- even now, you know, if you're trying, to, if you're just typing out stuff, you know, it, it's hard. Like I need to throw a German word in here or something like that, and it, it'll have it'll struggle with that. Where yeah, it doesn't it make those shifts that easy. Some more new features in iOS probably an iPadOS as well, uh, will be the ability to detect sounds. So I guess this is like your iPhone or iPad will be able to recognize like say a fire alarm or a doorbell. And I guess this is more for this is more of an accessibility feature for people who have hearing issues. Yeah, I, I this would I would think this would be something you'd you'd have to enable and disable. Not not just it's not just gonna start pinging you all the time about what it hears. Like a like a three year old notifications blow up on your phone just walking down the street yeah. here in San Francisco. <laughs> not right now, it's dead. <laughs> That's true, not right. Uh, kind of hand in hand with the ability to, to detect sounds will be the ability for the camera to detect hand gestures. That, that sounds nice, but I was having a hard time trying to figure out. You know what? What was the purpose of this? How does somebody use this? You give it the middle finger, and it undoes your last action. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if this is a, a an issue with you would people who have fine motor control right. issues could could do oh, okay. large yeah, that's, yeah. That's uh, things like I think that's it. the real okay. thing. Yeah, right. And so I wonder if it like would would it be is it advanced enough? Do you think that it would be able to interpret like sign language, or is that getting to twenty years from now? Yes. I don't think twenty years, but I don't think that's necessarily what this does. I I don't think I think that's a eminently solvable machine learning problem right now. Easier than reading lips or something. It's probably actually it might require more processing power, but it's probably easier to to train a machine learning algorithm to read. ASL than it is to understand voices. Uh, a new feature that could be showing up in AirPods is audio accommodations. Can someone explain what audio accommodations are? Yeah, uh, that is, you've seen this um, with certain um, high-end headphones and stuff too in their own software. It's basically if you have partial hearing loss, you can uh, tune the output. So it will do things like um, boost high frequency sounds if you can't hear high frequency sounds and stuff like that. So it's it's a way to uh, tune the output of your device to to compensate for your partial hearing loss. Oh, that'd be nice. And like last year, or maybe it was the year before, I reviewed these Aldera headphones, and that was what they were supposed to do was, uh, you know, they you, you, you calibrated them to adjust for your hearing loss. And it was funny. I was actually a bad person to use them for, the, the person who brought them in, because apparently for my age, 40, I have extremely good hearing. So they said <laughs> I was not an ideal person for them. Yeah, so certain, uh, uh, yeah, there's been quite a few headphones that have their own app that do this, you know, and they, they, they tune and balance the output. It's been a feature on several different Android phones and, and never really as an accessibility thing. And I think it would be a little different as an accessibility feature but that same that same concept of you run sort of a hearing test and then it changes the audio output for you. Uh, there will also be some home kit enhancements. Uh, you'll be able to have your lights, the color temperature adjust automatically, I think. Kind of like how th- I, there's like a similar feature on the Mac where the true desktop, tone. yeah, it's true tone. Well, they're talking about it uh, being night shift. 
not really true, true tone, which is like measuring the environment's light and, and changing it. So yeah, the same way your iPhone by default, like, I don't know, was it 10 PM or whatever it is when it becomes more yellow? <laughs> like you'd be able to do that with your home lights, which totally makes sense. I know some people who have just set up, like you can do that now with, um, what do they call it? Not activities. What do they call their control a bunch of devices at once? Automation. Stuff on home kit. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, go, I don't remember. <laughs> uh, scenes or something. I, I don't remember, but you can no. trigger scenes by time of day or something. And oh, I know people yeah, who do so that now. Right. So just making that a, a, a one button toggle where you just go like, yeah, my lights, night shift on my lights. And then it does it. Yeah, and you know, if you have Hue lights, you can do that within the app, and other a lot of other manufacturers they they offer that now. This would just bring it into HomeKit to make it a little bit more accessible. HomeKit camera will have a new face classification feature. Yeah, that's for um, smart cameras. Um, they started doing that a few weeks ago, and it's um, or, or not, not weeks, months ago, I guess at this point. What that's doing is it's taking the videos that your you know, say your uh, home security camera would would normally process in their own cloud and bringing it to Apple's cloud for more privacy. But they have to bring in all of those AI features that, you know, make them useful. So so they don't trigger when a, a, a large piece of dust goes by and they know it's as a person and things like that. So that this is just more of that. Yeah, because all that happens, you need a HomeKit hub, which is either a HomePod or an Apple TV or a plugged in iPad. And, uh, for this home for home kit secure video like all the processing happens on your device and then it's encrypted and on device and then sent to apple's cloud encrypted so apple can't see any of your video and none of the processing happens by apple in the cloud so yeah they they need to make these devices do things like recognize faces and stuff tv os will have a new permanent audio output option which is another one of those things where you kind of go you didn't already yeah, do that. Yeah, weird. I, I've, I mean, I've been using HDMI forever, and I don't I didn't really realize that. Yeah, if you use AirPlay, every time you you start Apple TV, you got to pick the the source over and over and over again. Just, just, yep, just bizarre. <laughs> so yeah, they're gonna uh, allegedly change that, which is you know it seems like a duh. Of course, of course, they should uh, do that. So this is by no means a comprehensive list of features that are going to be out. There will be plenty of other features. This is just some of the features that 9to5Mac, Mac Rumors. And we don't know like how young, <laughs> for lack of a better word, this code is. Yeah, some of this stuff may not show up immediately. Some of this stuff may not show up at all. Or some of it, maybe it'll all ship at the same time. Who knows? But uh, yeah, it's still kind of up in the air. It's all tentative. We'll learn sooner or later. When these new features will be revealed, probably at WWDC. Yeah, which might be a virtual trade show at this point. Speaking of virtual trade shows, there was a rumor that there was going to be a March event. And then earlier this week, there were like three reports confirmed by Apple sources, quote unquote, that said that that March event, yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah, that's not a surprise at all. I mean, between the fact of the matter of journalists aren't going to want to travel and we've been hearing about massive production issues, you know, not just Apple all over the place. So most likely people aren't going to be running out to buy an iPhone nine at the end of March, even if there was an offense. So there's no reason to not delay it. Yeah. Some of the, some of the products won't be ready because production issues. Uh, 
coronavirus is a big problem. And, and, and the, the count Santa Clara County, which is where Apple is, has uh, forbidden any uh, gatherings of more than a thousand people until April 1st for the next three weeks, which would hit Apple's event. So between all that, so now we, but we wonder, like, are they going to just do an event later? Are they going to wait for all this stuff for WWDC? If that even happens, do they just start releasing stuff online, which they do sometimes just, you know, put up a page on the site? Who knows? It seems like the iPhone SE 2. I was seeing on uh, Twitter where somebody was saying that nothing that they were going to announce at that event was anything they could just announce in a press release. And I was like, eh, I don't know about that. It, but, I mean, uh, that that may or may not be true, but the fact of the matter is Apple events generate buzz and they need that buzz. You know, I mean, people go crazy over them. They make headlines. It's marketing. And, yeah. yeah. And without them, it's not this, it's just not the same. If the iPhone nine appears online tomorrow, it's not the same as, you know, let's have an event and, and cover it. And, and then the other products like the Apple, they, they had the Apple tags coming up. There's apparently some over-the-ear Apple headphones, which this new build, they found a couple of little icons of. But they did last fall, they did several sort of relatively big items like AirPods Pro, just straight released them online. And they just kind of released them online, said, you know, with a marketing page and some videos. Yeah, I mean, the iPhone SE 2 probably could get away with a press release, but certainly not the 12. Exactly, yeah. Uh, and and the people who are going to be hyped about that, they're going to see a million TV commercials and stuff too. There are also some rumors about the Apple Watch uh, Series 6 and Apple Watch OS 7. One new feature that could be happening is the ability for the watch to read blood oxygen levels and then also doing sleep tracking. Yeah, that's that. Both of those things are, you know, kind of an obvious addition. The uh, the, the sleep tracking is way overdue. The, uh, the 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 blood oxygen stuff, Fitbit already has that on there on there some of their watches. So the, you know, the, it's 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 out there. There uh, during the teardown of the of the um, series five, iFixit found that the sensor was capable of reading blood oxygen levels, but Apple just had it turned off. That's actually a teardown of. Uh, series one it's been there for i don't know if the series zero had it but it's been there for years now their heart rate sensor is actually the same sort of sensor you would use to do blood oxygen detection i i maybe there's issues about whether it's sensitive enough or you know it's all just processing because it's kind of sitting on the back of your wrist so but yeah, this seems like something that if they did this in software, it wouldn't necessarily have to be just a, a Series 6 thing. It could come to a lot of watches. So I thought we'd cap off this uh, show of rumors with a uh, public service announcement. Uh, if you have a 2019 iPad Air that suddenly goes dark, Apple will, has announced that it will fix it for free. Apparently, there is an issue with some iPads where the screen just suddenly stops working. Yeah, it sounds like it's like a logic board connector issue. But um yeah, I mean it would be pretty it'd be pretty crappy if they just someone brought in their fourteen month old iPad air and they're like, Yeah, sorry, you're gonna have to pay seven hundred dollars to fix that <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it would cost three hundred dollars. I mean this is you know, they, they have to extend that warranty. So they, they extended they ex- for this specific issue only, they're extending the warranty by twelve months of your purchase date. 
So if it goes bad in a year after your warranty, if your warranty's up by, by uh, you know, eight months, you'll still get it fixed. So if you're having this problem, we have a link on our website. You can get the details and you should go get your iPad fixed. That does it for this week's episode of the Macworld Podcast, episode 689. We're almost at 700. So I want to thank Michael Simon. Thank you. Thanks to Jason Cross. Thank you. Thanks, Leif Johnson. Thank you. You can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes through SoundCloud or on Spotify. If you have any questions or comments, send us an email at podcast at macworld.com, or you can contact us through Twitter, that's at Macworld, or on the Macworld Facebook page. Join us in the next episode of the Macworld Podcast as we talk about the latest news and happenings in the world of Apple. See you all next time. Mac has the coronavirus. It's not even a funny joke now. Right? I was thinking at myself. I said that and I went, that wasn't funny. I was like, hmm. It's not even funny anymore. It's just kind of a thing.